1: nation know whether it wishes us well or ill that we shall pay any price bear any burden meet any hardship support any friend oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of the world. What up this is your boy rob clark welcoming you to the 22 november network get ready for another exciting edition of the lone gunman podcast featuring me that's right your boy rob clark coming at you stay tuned be right there Show This is your boy Rob Clark welcoming you to the Lone Gummen Podcast episode number 36 Oswald Indications of Intelligence is what we're going to be talking about today But before we do I just want to say that like the Iron Sheik used to say I will make you humble Well I'm humbled I'm humbled um, I don't Um, think fourth of my audience listened to my last show, um, after my last show, quote, quote, and hopefully we'll get this thing up and running again and uh, get back to where we were a couple weeks ago, and I don't blame you for not listening, I did you kind of suddenly dirty, uh, but I promise it won't happen again. So let's get right into it. Um, a couple months ago, well it started last year. Uh, right around the 50th anniversary we got a written statement, a note from Ant- uh, Antonio Vesiana to Marie Fonzi, Gaten Fonzi's widow stating that in fact, yes, David Attlee Phillips was indeed Maury's bishop. Now this wasn't exactly a new revelation to the JFK research community because we all suspected it because Gayton Fonzi in his last investigation pretty much proved it. Uh, to you know to my satisfaction and and many other satisfaction. But we finally have it straight from the horse's mouth. You know, he wrote it last year. He was at a conference this year and spoke about it. And, you know, actually said it in his own words. And so now we have, we have that. And now we have to figure out what are the implications? What does it mean exactly? Exactly. If we have David Attlee Phillips talking to Oswald um at the at end the, at the end of August in Dallas, okay because I had always thought that uh you know Oswald was in New Orleans until he went to Mexico. You know, in, in late September. But Vessiana says that he saw Bishop, which is, you know, Phillips, meeting with Oswald in Dallas in late August. Now, we of course know that Oswald wasn't working at this time, a real job. Um, he was, as we say, in between jobs. And this moment in Oswald's life is a little bit of a vacuum. We don't know a whole lot about what he was doing after his arrest in New Orleans and from the time he left to go to Mexico in late September. So apparently he made a trip to Dallas sometime in in late August to meet with Phillips. And we know that Phillips uh, was was Texas-born. I believe he was born in Fort Worth. Grew up in Fort Worth. Uh, we know Lee spent some time growing up in Fort Worth as well. So how far back does, does this connection really go? And if so, how did it go back that far? Um, we know Phillips was a Mexico station chief in for the CIA in Mexico City. Um, and we know Oswald supposedly went to Mexico City in late September. Now, for those out there who say, you know, Oswald was just a framed, lone patsy, you know, that he really had no idea what was going on and he was an innocent man, Vesiana's revelations pretty much blow that right out of the water if he's talking to Phillips and if he's going to Mexico. And I was listening to Walt Brown on Black Op Radio this past week. And if you haven't yet, I would encourage you to do so as well. Uh, There's a lot of good stuff in there, a lot of good observations from from, uh, Dr. Brown. you know, about what Oswald was doing. Uh, you know, it's a Texas School Book's Depository that day. You know, he, he posits that uh, that Alec Heidel was supposed to be this pro-Castro uh, Cuban persona. You know, pro-Cuban persona. And this persona had ordered a rifle. And that rifle was subsequently found in the school book depository. Now, Dr. Brown believes that it was planted in there by Oswald under the pretense that uh you know, possibly it it was it was made to appear that this Alec Hydell character, this fictional character was taking shots at Kennedy and that, that Kennedy would have been of course the shots would have missed and that Kennedy would have been whisked, whisked away to LBJ's ranch where he would have been surrounded by his security team and everything and they said look we found this rifle we can tie it to Alec Hydell. he's this pro-Castro um, agent you know, you need to invade Cuba now you know, we need, to, uh, we need to set up some offensive strikes. And if Kennedy had actually believed that he was um, shot at and, and attempted to assassinate him and kill him, that might have been the only way that they could change his mind about going into Cuba. And that after Oswald realized that Kennedy had actually been shot Then he goes into full-blown panic mode. Now, of course, there's always contingency plans. And, I'm sure Oswald had one too, which is, I'm sure, is why he was heading to the theater. That was probably a prearranged meeting place. Often used by agents for dead drops. And, uh, you know, clandestine meetings because it's dark, you know, nobody can really recognize who's in the movie theater, often not crowded, but it's still a quote public place quote where both parties would probably feel comfortable. Um, Now, does this mean Oswald was a spy? No, but let's go back. Back to his supposed defection, uh, we know now through, through uh, unclassified CIA documents that there was a program in place called Operation Redskin. And the aim of that project, secret CIA project, was to get false defectors into the USSR for an extended periods of time. In order to observe uh, the Russians' way of life, in order to observe uh, their military movements, their, uh, you know, the way their cities are laid out, how they operate, you know, a lot of intelligence could have been gathered from someone who actually got to live there for, you know, multiple weeks, months, years, and then get out. And uh, they knew what they were doing. Because Oswald went to the embassy on the weekend to defect and apparently you can't defect on the weekend so his passport was just thrown in a desk drawer to be held on for later. And he convinced the Russians to let him stay so it was basically an extended vacation. It was not really a defection uh, in the proper sense of the term defection. And we can pretty much figure out that the Russians knew what we were doing. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think it was just a coincidence that Marina and Lee ended up meeting and marrying. Um, I believe that Marina was some kind of a agent, a honeypot. Uh, even at her young age, it is possible. Especially back then, the Russians didn't mess around. You know, if they had access to uh you know a child they could definitely be trained for these purposes within a matter of uh months years. Uh, go see the movie uh for example Hannah, and you'll see what I'm talking about um, you know and back then they were doing all kinds of stuff so but like I said, I don't rule out that. Marina was stuck to Lee because she actually had approached uh, two other defectors, United States defectors, American defectors. One, Robert Webster, and I'm not sure who the other one was. But she had tried to have a romantic relationship with Robert Webster and uh, it didn't actually work out, but her and Lee, it did. I don't think it was a coincidence they met at the dance and married six weeks later and they ended up having a kid together. Now, whether or not they really, really fall in love, or whether Marina is just really, really good at playing her part, um, you know, who knows? But, uh, you know, we know from declassified documents that Lee Oswald was debriefed. I think he was debriefed in New York when he re- when he came back, and then again in in Georgia, if I remember correctly, I might not be. Another indication of intelligence work of Lee Oswald is working at Jagger's Child Stovall. Now this was in uh, a company that. Uh, dealt with a lot of the top secret um, uh, map making for the CIA using uh, spy satellite reconnaissance photos and blowing them up for them and uh, you know, really doing top secret work. And the fact that, that Lee was employed there is to me an indication of intelligence work. Now I don't believe that that Lee Oswald was a full blown CIA employee. I think he was a used asset um, for those operations. And another indication that Lee Oswald was a quote unquote, you know, I think he thought him. I think he fancied himself a spy. And I think he always had aspirations of being a spy. And he definitely knew some things about being a spy. Uh, Another indication of his uh, intelligence connections is the Minox camera found in his possession. It is a super miniature spy camera. It was the smallest camera in the world at the time. Uh, There was... Undeveloped photos from Russia on it when it was found, of, of buildings, uh, you know, Russian life, the city that he was in, Minsk. And, you know, a normal person wouldn't have had access to this Minox miniature spy camera, okay? Let's just clear that up right now. <coughs> but Lee Oswald did, so what is, does that tell you? Another indication of Lee Oswald having intelligence ties is a little thing I like to call the package. And many people in the community don't even know about the package. This was a package. It was a big envelope made out of... uh, Brown paper. And it was found in the dead letter bin. At the Dallas Post Office a couple days after the assassination. Somebody recognized it. The name on the package was addressed to Lee Oswald. And... Of course they recognized that name as being the assassin of the president, supposedly. And... There was something wrong with the package. It was addressed to Lee Oswald, but it had a false address on it. I can't remember the exact street number, but the uh the name on it was West Nashia Street, Dallas, Texas. Now a simple internet search will prove very quickly there is no such street. In Dallas, and there never has been, and there never was. In fact, there's no street named that in the entire United States. Um, The only one I found is in South Africa. So, excuse me. At least the way it was spelled on the package. Um, Now, what's interesting is there was a street behind North Beckley. And it was called Natchez Street, N-A-C-H-E-S. And on the package, it was spelled N-A-S-S-O-U-S or something like that. Now, (laughs) just from looking into this a little bit, the house, the address, I think it was 601 West Natchez Street. Now, 601 Natchez Street, N-A-C-H-E-S, the one behind North Beckley, was a rental property in 1963. It was what we call today a duplex, where half a house, and there was many of them on this street, but this one in particular can be traced back um, and seen today. On Google Maps and it's a duplex a half a house we know it was a rental property in 1963 we know who the owner was but we don't know who the tenant was could this have been a some kind of a safe house possibly but more likely this package was part of spycraft practiced by Lee Oswald and what I mean by that is, it's very. It's a very known thing in spycraft. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> that if you want to keep something safe for a couple of days, if you want to get something off your person for a couple of days, and in a place where nobody will look and nobody will suspect and nobody will be able to get but you with the proper ID. If you knowingly place a package or a letter in the mail to an address that does not exist, that package or letter will end up in the dead letter bin at the post office, where it will remain for a couple weeks until things accumulate so much you know this is for stuff that does not have return addresses or cannot be delivered uh, for some reason they will hold on to it for a while to see if anybody comes to claim it and if they don't then it's destroyed but now say for instance, if you were Lee Oswald and you had some pertinent information or you had photos or you had pictures uh diagrams or letter something that you might have needed to keep safe but you couldn't trust it to be at Ruth Payne's house and you couldn't trust it to be at your rooming house and you couldn't trust it to be on your person and you have no friends, nobody you can trust what are you going to do? and say you know that the the, uh, president is going to be assassinated or or say say you're aware of this of this thing but just in case something might go wrong you want to cover your ass and so you put what whatever it is you have inside of this package you send it to yourself to a false address that cannot be delivered that can be picked up you know, a couple days or a week later from the dead letter bin as long as you have your identification. He could pull out a Selective Service card and say, yes, I was wondering if you had, I was expecting a package. Um, I didn't get it, but I'm wondering if, if if some, you know, some reason it didn't get delivered. You know, here's my name, Lee Oswald. Can you check and see if you have any packages for me? Oh, yes, sir. Here we go. We found it. It's uh, addressed to this address. And then you, you play dumb and be like, hmm. I'm not sure they might have might have got it wrong there, but uh, that's me. Here's my ID, and you get your package back. It's a very clever way to protect information, and uh, you know, even if even if he couldn't get back to get it, and maybe somebody recognized his name on that package, and maybe that somebody opened it, and maybe that somebody realized what was in that package was very very important got it to the right people you know, to have his name cleared you know, you follow what I'm saying here but then let's go back to New Orleans for a little bit it's not out of the realm of possibility that this former lifelong FBI man current private investigator uh, plopped down in one of the most important cities at that time as far as Cuban activities anti-Cuban activities and mafia activities were going on in New Orleans it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility you know for that person Guy Bannister to have also been reporting back to the CIA As well as the FBI. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. That he knew David Alley Phillips. And that he was doing Mr. Phillips a favor. Of course it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility either. If Oswald thought that he was. Being an informant for the FBI. Because we have indications of what he told Thomas Beckham in his HSCA testimony that he was doing important work for the chief. And by the chief, he meant Hoover of the FBI. Now we know at the time he was working out of Bannister's office pretending to be pro-Castro, pro-Cuba, pro-communist, pretending to be. We know in reality he was not Now, why would he be doing this? He would only be doing this to collect intelligence on pro-Castro and pro-Cuban entities and agents and report back to his superiors about it. You know, and when arrested in New Orleans, he asked to speak to somebody from the FBI and his wish is granted. And he talked to them for two or three hours Now, we know it wasn't to get him out of jail because that did not happen. Okay, he had to stay in jail until he went to his court court hearing and he had to pay his fine, which was paid by, I think, his cousin or uncle or something, part of the Marrette, Marcello crime family. His big dollar fine was paid by them. <laughs> we know that Hosty was 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 uh hot on the Oswalds trying to talk to Marina, and and Lee Oswald, what you know, wondering what he's doing in Dallas or Fort Worth, and we you know Oswald, Oswald wrote him a note and took it down to the FBI office and we still to this day don't know what that note said because it was destroyed immediately after the assassination why would they do that if it wasn't some 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 in some way inflammatory or derogatory or somehow contradicted the official picture of the assassin which brings us to why did Oswald go to Mexico? He could have just as easily went to Washington, to the Mexican consulate or the uh, Cuban consulate here in America. Why go to Mexico? We have good indications that it wasn't even him at those embassies. We don't have him on tape. We don't have him on film. The descriptions of him differ from the way he appears in real life. And there's many, many other alter stories of what Oswald was doing in Mexico, if he even went to Mexico. You know, we know David Alley Phillips was the station chief in Mexico for the CIA. Was it another meeting with him? You know, was it a, was he infiltrating a meeting of of the assassination planning? Les Harry Dean and Guy Baldwin State and the Torbid document. Um who knows? You know the fact that he he was allegedly traveling down there with Albert Osborne who allegedly ran an assassination school in Mexico is interesting. Everybody likes to dismiss the Tor- Torbid document as fiction um, but there's a lot of it that just doesn't sit well with me and is very very intriguing. And jives with some other aspects of the case that we do know to be true we know what Wagner Carr this District Attorney General for Texas said after the assassination that Oswald was an informant for the FBI and as a matter of fact here is his informant number and he was being paid $200 a month for his information so there's that We also have uh, a tip called into the FBI in Chicago from a man named Lee warning of an assassination attempt on President Kennedy. And of course we don't know that it was definitely Lee Oswald doing that. But it is interesting that out of all the names in the world the the name that it called and warned them was Lee. (laughs) And not to mention he had a handgun for his protection now normal every average everyday people you know don't normally have a handgun i mean a lot of people do for personal protection or or what what not but Doing, if he was just a normal average citizen doing what he was doing, he wouldn't have needed one. But he had one, and he went to get it after the assassination. And if you believe that Oswald took a cab home, then there's a story of him telling the cab driver to stop a couple six blocks away from his rooming house. So he wouldn't just be rolling up and being let off at the front door. And then there's an ambush waiting for him. And if he had just shot the president, I seriously doubt he would have ran home to get his gun. He probably would have had it with him, you know, as a backup weapon in case he had to shoot his way out. Of the school book depository. Or at least die trying. You know. But no. What does he do? He runs out. Goes home. Gets his gun. And goes to the movies. I mean. Come on now. He was going there to meet someone. Things had gone wrong. He realized the implications. Of what had went wrong. He knew he better get his gun for protection from whoever he's going to meet there at that theater. Now, who it was, I don't know. More than likely Phillips, I'm guessing. Because, shocker, the official list of of patrons of the the, uh, Texas Theater that day is missing. You know, we know of George Applin that was in there that's it you know we have no witness statements other than that to rely on about what exactly happened in the theater not to mention the Ruth and Michael Payne connection who if you believe in some way they were See, You know, Ruth Payne had a sister that worked for the CIA. They knew Alan Dulles in a roundabout way. Michael Payne's family comes from a long pedigree of these New England blue bloods. Uh, We know DeMorne Shield has CIA connections. You know, there's another big gigantic red flag. we know, uh, the shield was, uh, he used his cover as an oil baron or a geologist or whatever it was, but it allowed him to travel very frequently, uh, leave the country frequently and, uh, do what he needed to do under cover. He, he did spend a lot of time in Cuba Um, You know, just the, the connections are undeniable. You know, Lee Oswald was not just Lee Oswald. He was being used as an asset by the CIA, by the FBI, or both. You know, he likely infiltrated some kind of assassination ring. He kind of knew, probably knew what was going on. He might not have been aware of, of the exact plan, but he realized very quickly what was happening to him. Um, you know, when doing things like this, when guns are involved, and the president's involved, <coughs> there's always a chance that something might go wrong. Know, if things were truly, truly that bad between him and Marina he wouldn't have stayed the night at, at the Payne's house ever let alone slept in the same bed um, you know, and the fact that he, you know, he left her well, pretty much all the money he had, supposedly because they lived very meagerly Yet, I'm sure that Boswell was collecting $200 from the FBI and whatever he was getting from from uh, David Atley Phillips or Morris Bishop. And we know Morris Bishop paid well, thanks to Antonio Vestiana. That's why he was uh, so loyal to him for all those years. Because Phillips was a very generous supporter of Alpha 66 and Vesciana's uh, Cuban activities. You know, Vesciana was a terrorist, a Cuban terrorist, a killer. And he was supported very handsomely by our government. So what exactly happened to all this money Lee Oswald had? And what did he do with it? I'm not sure. You know, because they apparently always fought about money, never wanted to buy anything. But he made sure his kids didn't go without. He made sure there was always food. He made sure he always gave Marina money for shoes or whatever the kids needed. Um, But maybe he knew knew the gig was up. Maybe he was planning uh, to leave her. Maybe he was planning to get out of Dallas. don't know. You know, I know they were trying to make plans early in 63 uh, to get Marina back to Russia and out of the country uh, from his letters that he wrote to the Russian consulate in D.C. This went on uh, for a couple months, and then the letters evolved into not just Marina, but also Oswald trying to go back to Russia to be with his family in Russia. So, who knows exactly what was going on? Now, another indication of intelligence was in New Orleans uh, with shop garage owner Adrian Alba, who was next to the Riley Coffee Company, where Lee Oswald spent a good deal of his time when he was supposed to be working, uh, talking to Adrian, uh, you know, looking at the uh, reading magazines and things there. But Mr. Alba ran the garage that housed, you know, the FBI cars, you know, the government cars. People would have to come in and sign them out, uh, you know, things like that. But he said that, you know, he often saw an FBI car come up. Lee Oswald would go out and meet him. Talk to him for a second, receive an envelope, which he would put in his shirt. And he said, this happened more than once. So, the connections to intelligence with Lee Oswald are undeniable. You know, but to say he was a lone assassin is just idiotic. A lone nut. You know, like... like, like Doug says, this guy was never alone. (laughs) Okay. He was always surrounded by family, surrounded by, uh, I mean, look at, look at his time in Russia. You know, we have all these photos with him with his friends and hanging out at the factory and going on picnics and things like this. You know, we know, we know he used to hang out with his friends and play records and, and, uh, you know, read Russian stuff. And, you know, the connections are undeniable. Undeniable that Lee Oswald had intelligence connections. Okay. And and based on just that alone, even if, even if by the slimmest chance Lee Oswald was up in that sixth floor window and he was shooting that man liquor Carcano at JFK and he shot him and killed him, it was still a conspiracy because he was not he was not alone he was being manipulated and controlled from the time he stepped back on U.S. soil after his supposed defection to Russia now Walt Brown goes into a Some interesting stuff about Gary Powers, the U2 incident, and and Oswald's time in Russia. You know, and maybe what was supposed to happen. Very interesting. So go back and listen to that episode of Black Op Radio, uh, November 27th. Check it out. Um, So once again, thank you. Thank you for listening. Go check out all of our bloggers' work. Over on the November 20, or shit, 22 November.wordpress.com. You know, everybody's killing it over there. Go check out the Dallas Action, my buddy Doug's podcast. Having some great guests on there. Garland's been doing a great job on there. Gail. And can't wait to hear Dusty tomorrow. And uh, looking forward to it. But that is it for this one. This one is in the can. Shot up to the satellite, beamed down directly to your ears. This is your boy, Rob Clark. Thanking you for tuning in to the Lone Gunman. Welcome back. Peace.